Well, hello there. Welcome to my almost midlife crisis. I'm your host, Jennifer Mathis. This podcast is about that time in your life where you're starting to get older, but you're just trying to figure it out one day at a time. In today's episode, we're celebrating Women's History Month with a conversation around what it's like to be an older millennial woman in today's society. So if you'd like to join the conversation by recognizing some challenges we face while also celebrating how far we've come, then this one's for you. In 1987, the U.S. formally recognized March as National Women's History Month. So as we're in those final couple days of the month, I thought it's a good time to not only talk about why we celebrate, but the challenges that we still face, all from the perspective of me, an elder millennial. So first, we celebrate because we haven't given women their due attention. I mean, for a long time, women weren't even acknowledged in history because, well, let's face it, who was writing the history books? But we've been there and we've played an important role. I personally, as a as an older millennial, I was born in 82. I feel so lucky that I have been able to witness women making historical achievements within my lifetime. So starting with, you know, Madeleine Albright, who was the first secretary of state who was a female. I mean, she then paved the way for Hillary Clinton to take that position and then break another mold by being the first female Democratic presidential nominee. Not to mention the current vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, who's breaking her own glass ceilings, not only as a woman, but as a woman of color. So no matter the side of aisle you're on, like, listen, I get it. I'm not trying to talk politics here. I actually work really hard to keep politics and my views of politics out of this podcast and leave it on Facebook where it belongs. But No matter the side of the aisle that you're on, getting women into top leadership positions is important. And the U.S. is behind in this area. There are 19 countries that are currently being led by women, and we're just now getting our VP. For the first time, little girls are starting to see themselves in top government positions. This is important. It's important not only because as 56% of the population, we should have equal representation in making laws that affect our country. But for the first time, little girls are starting to see themselves. And as this is like, this is an option for them. This is even something that they could consider. That's important. That representation is important. Women are also owning more businesses than ever before. As of 2018, there were over 12 million women-owned businesses in the U.S. alone, compared to only 400,000 in 1972. That means that in just a little bit over my lifetime, it's not even that long. I mean, I know I'm getting older, but I'm not that old just a little bit older than me. And we have grown by over 11 and a half million. Almost all of the female owned businesses have happened in my lifetime. That's huge. I would like to say that does not include the pyramid schemes (laughs) that we tend to get sucked into. Oh my God. If I get one more Facebook evite for like one of those pyramid schemes, like Keep me out of it. I'm not going to go sell these products for you. I don't, I want no part of it. Okay, ladies, we need to stop. But 
while we're owning more businesses of our own, we're also making some strides, a little less dramatic, but some strides in corporate America as well. Right now, women hold 28% of senior vice president positions and 6.2% of CEO positions. Now, considering we're over half of the population, I would say it's fair to say that while these gains are good to see, there are clearly still some gaps that need to be filled here because they aren't there isn't nearly enough equal representation in corporate America leadership. Now why is this happening? It's not an education gap because 56% of college graduates are women. So we're getting our degrees. What I think it is and listen, I could be wrong, but I think it's because while women are taking on more leadership responsibilities in corporate America, we're not seeing a decrease in responsibilities at home. I mean, I would argue that the responsibilities that were expected of the 1950s housewife aren't that far off from the expectations in 2021. Men are taking more of a role for sure. Like they are, you know, they're stepping up, they're becoming more partners and it's not a hundred percent on the mom. But we still congratulate men for babysitting the kids, okay? That, that says something. We hold men to this, like, high regard that they just, like, cook dinner one night or switch the laundry from washer to dryer. And I, I don't want to sound ungrateful because I think that it's great that men are starting to, to step up more into that role and to help out around the house. But it is far from equal, and it is hard to be optimistic when women are still 1.5 times more likely than fathers to spend an additional three to four hours a day on housework and childcare. And when you put that in the context of COVID and the impact that COVID has had on families, it is truly threatening to undo decades of work of, and just decades of progress for women in the workplace. So what does this mean for me from my perspective? Well, I've been working for over 15 years to achieve the level of leadership that I'm at. And I am very proud of the work that I've accomplished and the fact that I am one of that 28% that holds an SVP title in my company. But, well, and I've also had the opportunity um, to really learn from strong, amazing females throughout my career. Like the first boss I ever had in advertising was a female. She was amazing. And she really helped me start to develop my like authentic female leadership um, style. And, and I have more stories like that throughout my career. And I, and I love that. And I've been able to learn from them. Um, and I now currently work at a company where there's really strong female representation in leadership positions, which is super inspiring to me. But While I've had female support in the workplace, I've had to face just criticism and unrealistic expectations in my personal life as a result of my professional ambition and success, and mostly coming from family um, and, and friends of family. And yeah, they grew up in a different era, but that doesn't change (laughs) the reactions I get to my choices. So let me give you some examples, okay? So one of them, when I received my first promotion, I was told, I'm so proud of you, but 
I mean, you won't have to work when you get married. I mean, I don't know what like world you're living in that a two income household is acceptable anymore, but especially in Chicago, but okay. And then when I switched agencies, um, I was actually asked, is Christian okay with this move? Is he good with you switching jobs? I'm like, um, well, let me see. Is he okay with me moving from a company that's four blocks away from the other company? Uh, gee, I don't know. I didn't ask permission. And when I started looking, I was, um, I was questioning my religion. I think, you know, I was grown up Catholic. Um, you know, like most kids, you don't really have a choice on what religion you're raised, right? You're baptized, you go through communion, you get confirmed, um, you go to church and like, that's, that's where you go. And that's, you know, now your religion. And at some point in my life, I really just started questioning if that was um, the right choice for me. And I just wanted to look into other religions. And I started actually like really getting into Buddhism and and, like learning about that. And as I was talking about this uh, with my family, I was actually warned that if I go too deep into this spiritual thing, that was my air quotes around that, Christian could be turned off that I was changing and I was becoming different than who he meant. And that could be a turnoff for him. So like, let me get this straight. I should halt my own spiritual journey so that I don't turn off a potential mate. Um, I'm going to tell you if that turns him off because I've chosen a different religion, um, then I would say we're probably not meant to be anyway. And FYI, Christian was very supportive of my journey. So clearly I picked a good one. Um, and then when I considered other career paths, you know, and just like everybody, I think at some point in your career, you're like, I don't know, it's like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Like, is this where I'm going? Um, I was told that, you know, maybe now is not a good time for a change because, you know, if you want to start, try starting a family, you know, how are you going to handle a new job while you start a family? And I'm thinking, well, I don't know, same way I handle my current job, still working (laughs) either way. Um, So yeah, probably would go the same way, but it's like every step of the way I have been made to feel like my success as a woman was reliant on my ability to have children and everything I was doing until then was really just passing time or I guess in some cases, maybe wasting time until my real job of being a mother started because that's what my real job is in life. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. This way of thinking and talking to me over 15 years has perpetuated just this fear I have of becoming a mother. Like I have to give it all up if I become a mom. It's made me scared of motherhood, scared. And it's made me scared of not being able to conceive of failing, like a failure. Like if I, if I waited too long and then I can't have a kid now, even though who knows if I could have back then, um, then what if they're right? What if, what if my life is a failure then? Then was it worth it? Was all of this worth it? That's terrifying. And that kind of pressure is absurd and it is solely placed on women. Like no one's, no one's going around asking Christian, when is he going to have kids? (laughs) 
Like he doesn't get pressure like that. And listen, I don't want him to get pressure like that. Trust me. I, he, that it, no one should get it. I don't want him to get it, but it always falls on the women. Like we can just do this ourselves. I mean, we can birth human beings, but we can't do it alone just to be clear. I mean, even if you have a sperm donor, you still needed a dude on the other side of that at some point. So how dare you put my worth in my ability to birth children? And how dare you act like my accomplishments are less than because they don't fit into whatever you believe I should have prioritized. And please stop telling me that I'll understand when I become a parent because that shit is condescending. And it honestly just tells me that you don't know me at all. Because are my priorities going to change? Of course, obviously. I mean, I got a dog and my priorities change. Like, of course, I'm not an idiot and I'm not naive. But will my career become unimportant? Absolutely not. Will I leave my career and everything I've worked so hard for once I become a mother? Hell to the no, I will not. And will I just relish when I finally prove that I can actually have both? I can have a strong career, an accomplished career, and a family? You bet I will. Because this fear that has been placed in me, I find myself having this like growing sense of awe for working women, especially those in leadership positions, which leads me to the next reason that we celebrate. We celebrate Women's History Month because women are inspirational. They're inspirational because there are barriers stacked against us that we keep breaking down one after another. We are fighters. We have had to fight for every right we have. And then we have to keep fighting for them because people keep trying to take them away once we fought to get them. It's just this constant freaking fight. It's exhausting. I would be what they call a feminist, which I know some of you are like, oh, feminist. It's like this like bad word. I actually have this shirt that says like my second favorite F word is feminist. <laughs> and uh, it's true. It's a hundred percent true. And, but it saddens me that when people hear the word feminist, they, they just think of like, it's this negative connotation, which, you know, all feminism is, is equality between men and women. I mean, I don't, see how you could really take that as negative. It's not a man hating thing. I don't hate men. I love men. Men are great. I have amazing men in my life, like nothing against men. I'm also not saying that there are no differences between men and women that like, literally we are the same thing. We're not, we're not. I've lived long enough and, and dealt with enough men and dealt with enough women to know that we have differences physically and psychologically. Okay. So we're also not saying we're the same because, oh my God, it's, it's so annoying when you're like, I'm a feminist, like women should be equal. And then they're like, oh, women can't do everything. Man can, I can lift more weight than you. And I'm like, oh my God, we don't need to get into a like, a weightlifting match right now. That's not the point. You're like missing the point. All we're trying to do is we don't want to be discriminated against because of our gender. It's, it's actually like pretty simple. And you know, there's no, there's no counterpart to it for men. Like there's, it's not like a menace. Like we're, we're a feminist and you're like a maleist. 
You know why? Because people don't discriminate you because you're a male, because you made all the rules. So that's male privilege. And you don't need a whole word just to say you don't want to be discriminated against. Okay. So we have one and it's called feminism. And what I find inspirational about women is the women that require equality in their lives. They don't ask for it. They require it. It's the moms that aren't going to give up their jobs and they require fathers to do their part because it took both of them to have that kid. Therefore, it's a shared responsibility. The athletes that force reporters to ask questions about their performance and not what outfit they're wearing. I mean, hats off to Miss Serena Williams, which I could do an entire podcast about how much she inspires me in so many different ways. But but her pushback, I'm like, don't ask me about my outfits, which are fabulous, by the way. But don't ask me about my outfit. I'm the best goddamn tennis player you've ever seen in your life. And why don't we focus about how I'm a badass on the court and not about that I'm wearing a leopard skirt. Love her. And also the million of women that show up to fight for the rights of all women, like the Women's March, where you had millions of women in the United States and who inspired millions of women around the world to fight to protect our rights. And I am very proud to say I'm one of them. And it was one of the best experiences. I'm so glad that I did that. I am so glad. I was terrified to go. Um, I, I have never, I remember thinking when I was younger, like, why do people protest? Like, what's the point? (laughs) Like, does it do anything? Like, what would I even protest about? That was like my younger, uh, you know, teen and like twenties self. Like, what do I have to protest about? Like my life is pretty good, which is, which was true. I, I didn't have a lot to protest about, but as I got older and I learned about what was going on and, you know, how there were things that needed to change, I started getting more into women's rights. And all of a sudden the women's march was like, I'm like, I have to be there. I have to be a part of this. And so I got my ass on a bus, a bus. Yes. Like a greyhound that I took from Chicago to DC by myself. I could not convince anyone to take the bus with me. (laughs) And I went by myself to go spend the day with a lot of women that were just as passionate as me. And it was honestly one of the best experiences that I will always remember for the rest of my life. And as I get older, I find myself thinking about my contribution to the women's movement. You know, yes, I did the women's march, but I've also benefited from generations of women before me paving the way. So how am I going to continue to create opportunities for women to come? So if you know me, you know, I love a good quote, love a good quote. I feel like I am very comfortable speaking, but when I read that someone said something in a way that like perfectly describes how I'm feeling, but they were super articulate, like that's just, Ooh, love a good quote. So I have a couple in today's episode, but one that I, that I love that's relevant to this point is each time a woman stands up for herself, she stands up for all women. And I think the more I think about it um, and what my contribution is going to be, I think that's my contribution. 
So growing up, I was told that I'm loud and I am loud and I talk too much and I shouldn't push back and I question things too much and I'm too aggressive. And the older I get, the more I realize that all this is saying is that I stand up for myself and what I believe. And that makes people uncomfortable. I'm not going to be the person that's just going to agree to be likable. I'm not going to sit back and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit back and not say anything. If I see something is wrong, I speak up for myself, but I've also been the voice for those that maybe aren't comfortable speaking up for themselves on their own behalf. And I'm going to admit sometimes, a lot of times my mouth gets me into trouble. No, like not even, uh, that's probably the thing that gets me most in trouble. And it brings me drama and it brings me conflict in my life and more than I would like, especially as I get older and as I get more vocal and as there's more social media uh, outlets for me to voice those (laughs) viewpoints and opinions, um, it gets me into trouble. And it's not an easy road because the easy road would be to shut the hell up. The easy road would be to not speak up or to call people out. My life would be easier if I took the easy road. My life would have less drama. My life (laughs) would just be simpler and probably happier. So why do I do it? Why do I like get involved? Why do I let things bother me? Why don't I just mind my own damn business and stay out of it? And trust me, um, I think about that a lot. And every time before I share my opinion or before I call someone out, I consider, is this a fight that I think is worth it? And for me, it makes me think of all of the women before me that didn't speak up. Because I wonder where we would be if more women were willing to take the hard route. The reality is, is that there are plenty of inspirational women that we can name and that we can look to for guidance and for motivation, but there are so many more that stood on the sideline and did nothing. And there's so many women that still do, women that that don't vote for their own self-interest, women that attack other women for not wanting children. Women that choose to put other women down instead of lifting them up. And I just, I am, I'm just not going to be that, that woman because I think we have enough of them. So for me, I speak up because I can, because I'm not afraid. And because there are women that need others to speak up for them when they can't for themselves because I hope to inspire others to to speak up in the future, to know that I have their back to do so and that they're not alone. Because if I ever do get blessed to have a daughter, you better believe that she is not going to be the quiet one in the back of the room. And you better be ready for her roar and for me to support her every step of the way. And that leads me to the last reason that we celebrate Women's History Month because we just need to take a second and stop and recognize the strength and the power of women. 
So in the words of amazing woman um, and <laughs> that we all know and love, Beyonce or Queen Bee, as some of you may call her, strong enough to bear the children and then get back to business. There is no denying that women are strong as hell, and it's not just because we can birth human beings. And yes, um, I realize that you will now have that song in your head for the rest of the day. I've had it in my head all day thinking about this podcast. But if you think about it, we all have to deal with everyday safety threats at a much higher rate than men. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you on this next section there might be some trigger warning. I'm going to put a trigger warning here. Insert trigger warning because um, we're going to go. We're going to go a little dark here for a second, uh, but it's important. So, our safety is can be threatened inside our own homes, as 32 percent of women experience physical violence from her partner at some point in her life. 44 percent of women experience sexual violence in their lifetime. And almost half of them knew their attacker. 24% of girls versus only 16% of boys reported experiencing bullying on school property. And online, that gets so much worse. 21% of girls versus only 8.5% of boys have been bullied electronically. You know, in the past couple years, we saw the Me Too movement um, really blow up. Right, And this movement sought to shed a light on sexual violence against women. And I think, I think it did make great strides in giving these victims a voice and feeling empowered to speak up. Um, this year, tactics, you know, women used to protect ourselves when alone in public became a topic of conversation. So things like holding keys between your knuckles or switching sides of the street to avoid groups of men um, when you're walking. And in both of these cases, women that spoke up faced intense backlash from, I'm sure you could guess, men. And to me, this shows that men have a hard time and find it difficult to admit their role in women's issues. Because to them, it's women's issues. That's your issues. That's issues women have to deal with. And because of that, during the Me Too movement, victims were publicly shamed or victim blamed. Um, you know, men started reacting, saying they didn't even know how to act around women. Like, oh, this Me Too movement. Now I feel like I can't even, I don't even know how to talk to women. I mean, it's not that hard. You just don't make unwanted sexual advances. It's really, it's pretty easy. Like I have, I do not have a problem not making unwanted sexual advances towards men. I, I don't really, it's not something I have to actively stop myself from. Um, but it was very much like, oh my gosh, like they're so sensitive. And, and it was like brushed off or made it seem like we were my favorite overreacting. Cause you know, as women, that's what we do. We overreact all the time. And, you know, it's just this other, the other, um, how to protect ourselves, like that conversation, uh, the hashtag, not all men is going viral because men want to separate themselves from the conversation instead of God forbid, engaging from a place of empathy and allyship to their fellow women. 
Um, nope. It's got to be that. It's not me. That might be them, those men, but it's not me. And it's so interesting because within that, within both of these conversations, men are, are just turning it into these are women's issues. And, but it's funny because like when I look back at growing up, you know, my older brother or my dad would be like, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. I trust you, but I don't trust them. I don't want you to date him because I don't trust him. So you're, you're saying (laughs) you are admitting that men are the issue that you don't trust him. And yet if something happens, it's why was she wearing that? Why was she like, you know, like what was her role? You know what her role was, was living and having a vulva. That was her role. I realize these topics are heavier than I normally talk about on this podcast. I mean, we just went through like multiple episodes about Gen Z and their fashion sense. So I get that we're taking a turn into a more possible route. But I don't think we can talk about Women's History Month without mentioning the daily struggle that women feel just to feel safe. And I can relate to this. I live downtown Chicago. I travel the world. And I keep my safety top of mind when I leave the house. I have a personalized alarm system that's on my keychain. I carry it with me all the time. I have pepper spray and i more than happy to use it if I feel the need. I look at my reflection when I pass a building to see who's behind me at all times. I won't go running after sunset. You know, and I consider myself a very strong, uh, an independent woman. I mean, quite frankly, I'm actually pretty physically strong and I probably could physically protect myself in a lot of situations. And yet there are places that I won't even go alone because I'm afraid for my own safety places I won't travel alone. There was a study done that asked women what they would do if there was a day without men. And the number one response is one of the saddest stats that I have ever heard. It was take a walk. Just let that sink in because all women want is to be able to feel safe enough to just take a walk. That's it. And it reminds me of a recent news story out of the UK where Sarah, I want to say Everend, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but um, Sarah was walking home around 9 p.m., which shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter. And the fact that I just had to automatically make sure you knew it wasn't too late, uh, I think proves my point. But she was walking home around 9 p.m. and she was killed by a cop on her way home. So as you could imagine, this sparked worldwide conversation. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I don't know what rock you live under, but it was kind of a big news story. And after that big news story of what happened to Sarah, the more typical conversation uh, followed soon after. The conversation around what can women do to protect themselves? Can I tell you that this conversation enrages me? It it is 
it's about as enraging as like the gun violence conversation, <laughs> which <laughs> it's like this conversation that feels like it's never going to go away and it's not going to go away because we don't want to address the actual problem head on. So what, what can, what can women do to protect ourselves? You know what, you know what we could do? Maybe we should hold men accountable for their actions. Maybe we should stop blaming women for what they were wearing that day. Or why were they walking home alone? You know, she was walking home alone at 9 p.m. because she had to go home because it was time for her to go home. And she should be able to do that without fear of being murdered. We should be able to wear whatever we want. We should be able to walk down a street no matter the time. We are never asking for it. And you better believe we never fucking deserve it. And I am so tired of when something happens with violence against women, our first question is what could the woman do differently to avoid this in the future? And it's not. How can we stop men from committing violence against women? Ooh, that was a lot. That was intense. (laughs) I just threw so much at you. And then I like piled more on and you were like, what the hell, man? I thought we were just going to celebrate women's history month. And yeah, I probably could have went the lighter, easier route. (laughs) Uh, That's definitely normally the tone of my podcast, but we're coming to an end of women's history month. And while we've spent the whole month celebrating the progress that we've made to date, now is the time to start looking ahead Now is the time for us to recognize the work that still needs to be done and to start deciding what is our role as we move forward and not our role just as women. This is a call to my male allies as well. What is our collective role in the women's movement moving forward? I want to leave you with a quote from Jane Goodall who says, what you do makes a difference. You just have to decide what difference you're going to make. For me, it's using my voice. It's using my voice to speak up for what I believe in, even if that makes people uncomfortable. It's using my voice to speak up for the rights of women and equality It's using my voice to support those that need help expressing themselves. Maybe that don't have a voice for their own or are scared or for whatever reason, I can help supply your voice. It's to support the women around me. It's to cheer them on in their success and in their failures for getting back up and being the strong body, like boss ass bitches that I know you are because we are fighters and we have so much more fight. If I can use my voice to inspire the fight in someone else, whether it's a silent fight on their own or a vocal one, then that's worth it to me. What difference are you going to make? Until next time.